Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. I was remembering something that was a, a very great blessing while in prison. And I don't mean to get off on too many prison stories, but I'm going to tell another prison story because we saw so many young men come to Christ. And you went to chow by building, and there were four people to a table. So you could count, this is where I am in line, I know who I'm going to sit with at the table. Now there were some guys that you would see them try to scoot up along. <laughs> they tried to get along because they wanted to sit with somebody else because they were been counting. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. And they knew right where they wanted to sit. We used to take a new Christian. Take him with us. Come, you're going to eat with me. Because we had to model certain things in their lives so that they would get out of the old habits and understand what it was to show the love of Christ. And we used to actually sit in classes and studies and say, now, if something goes off on the yard, if something happens, and you're sitting at the table a long time, because sometimes a fight, something takes place, and you're going to be sitting at that table 45 minutes, 50 minutes, what's your conversation going to be with these other men that you've sat down with? And so we would just go through like the Proverbs. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold. And you might just bring that up. What does it mean? What do you guys think it means? A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold. You see, we planned those conversations. We talked about that. What could you do that will spark an interest in those people? That will lead the conversation at that table to godliness? That will lead them to something that will expose and show them Jesus Christ alive in your life. That's why we wanted to take a young Christian with us so they would begin to see that modeled. You see, that's what here James is telling us, to count it all joy, practice this, get ready for it, plan it, it's going to come. Plan what you're going to do. Now, you'll know also, I don't mean to just get off on stories, but when I went to the police academy, they taught you several things. One of the things was to think through a scenario. When you made a car stop, what could possibly go wrong? You think through all of the different things. You think, well, how am I going to act? If this person does this, then I'm going to do that. This could be that. And you're thinking through scenarios. If it goes really bad, this is what we're going to do. If it goes great, this is how we'll handle it. And that way you learn to de-escalate. But... In our Christian life, we know trials are going to come and we've got to count it all joy. And we know that these things are going to show our faith. Or they're going to be the evidence of our faith, of our love for God. So now how can I begin to think through those scenarios 
How am I going to act? How am I going to react? What can my words be that will be words of blessing? What will be my words of wisdom? How can I do that? How can we rejoice and see beyond the trial and see what God's doing? You see, now we begin to plan in our minds. We are establishing how can we rejoice because we have a vision that the trial is coming and that the Lord is going to bring about some perfecting work. I want you to recognize that. That's why you need to be thinking these things through. Counting them. How can I be a blessing? What can I say that will be a blessing? You know, trials are going to come. John 16, 20. He talks about the wailing and the lamenting. And then he gives an illustration. Christ does. He says, a woman when she is in birth pain has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of her child... She remembers no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. You see, that's what happens. Trials are going to come. Adversities are going to come. Troubles are going to surround you. They're going to be. That's why he says when you fall into. When they come. When they knock you off your feet. Think about it. Just as a woman giving birth to a child. And the pain is forgotten when that child is there in the joy of having that baby. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, when you see that, wasn't that a a wonderful picture? And Jesus finished up and he says, And you now therefore do have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice and your joy no more, no man takes from you. You see, we've got to look through. We've got to look beyond. Now I believe that the application for this is in every believer's life. That we need to see beyond the trial to the joy that's coming. And we have then passed the test. We've been strengthened. This is it. It's not a partial joy. It's full joy. I looked at all kinds of commentaries and everyone said the same thing in a different way. It's all joy. When you recognize and you can see beyond, it's joy. So have you noticed that in your trials, maybe you become more sensitive to the presence of God. In that trial, you've noticed that when you're going through difficult times, your prayer life increases. Your communion, your fellowship with God increases. You start searching for scriptures to find the answers to problems. You start asking people, hey, pray for me. I'm going through something. And all of that draws us closer to the Lord. All of that brings us closer because we are privileged to have our faith tested. Think of that. You mean we're privileged to go through trials? We're privileged? That's what he's telling us. We're privileged to suffer. We can count it joy. We can count it a privilege and accept it as a joy. And really we're suffering on his behalf, aren't we? We're suffering as a child of God. Remember Hebrews 12.3 says that we have not yet suffered unto blood. We've not yet have to give our life as Jesus did. When it gets kind of difficult, when the times are tough, I have to ask myself, have I suffered as Christ? <laughs> that they're taking my life? Can I even come close? Have I suffered unto blood? Well, really, it's a happy occasion because I've never come anywhere close. And I not only look to Christ as a model, but sometimes I think of Jesus because He was all God and all man. And sometimes you get the idea, well, you know, I'll never be perfect because Jesus was perfect. 
But then I see the Apostle Paul, who is a man like you and I, just an average man. And I'm reminded in Acts chapter 16, you remember Paul and Silas, they're sitting chained in a dungeon cell. I can't imagine what that Roman dungeon cell would have been like, but I am told that when they were chained, their feet were spread and they were chained to a wall here and a, and a wall there and they were just chained. And you know what they did? Well, you do know what they did, huh? <laughs> they sang praises and hymns unto the Lord. So much that that Philippian jailer, when the doors all opened, they said, don't worry, we're here. The chains had fallen off. We didn't go anywhere. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Now that's a joyous attitude in trial, in a very difficult trial. But that seems to be Paul's portion, doesn't it? I'm reminded in 2 Corinthians 12 that Paul had some kind of a, a thorn in the flesh. And there he's, he's come back. He's, he knows that this is a messenger of Satan that's been sent to buffet him. And it gave him a such difficulty. He's going through so much that three times he prays and asks God, remove this. And the Lord each time said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. You don't need to, the elimination of the trial. You need the grace to endure it. You're going to go through it. I'll give you that grace because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's why Paul then says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest in me. So first of all, trials draw us close to the Lord. Secondly, it allows us to have the privilege of the fellowship of His suffering. Hi, let me interrupt very quickly to let you know and update you with some information. You can contact us at schoolofministryresources.org all runs together or contact me personally at paul at landmarkstockton.com we also have online services on facebook at landmark stockton that all runs together or if you're interested in our church history sessions you can look on youtube under landmark stockton two separate words in that place. We'd love to send you information and we're always so glad to hear from our listeners. So please feel free to contact us and we'll write back to you. Thank you. Now back to our podcast. And thirdly, it keeps us humble, doesn't it? It keeps us dependent. It's a privilege. Philippians 1, and not all suffering necessarily is physical suffering. Sometimes we go through emotional, mental suffering. But in Philippians 1, Paul's talking about the things that he's doing. And he's, of course, he's the prisoner even there. And he says in verse 12 that the things that happened unto him, happened unto him while he was in prison, has fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel, so that my chain, and he is chained, in Christ are manifest in the palace. Imagine. He's chained to these Roman soldiers. And as the result... Who is winning them, is winning them to the Lord. Caesar's house has a revival. Now, sometimes it's hard to imagine. And that's what Paul closes out in Philippians 4.22. He says, all the saints greet you, chiefly those of Caesar's household. So he saw the joy at the end of the trial. He saw what God was doing. And he says that some 
Some of the brethren were against him. They were preaching the gospel, trying to make Paul look bad. So his suffering wasn't all just a physical suffering. It was an emotional suffering. It was recognizing that some had been preaching Christ out of envy and strife, he tells them. And what does Paul say? Christ is preached. If they think they're doing me harm, that's okay because Christ is preached. They're doing it out of strife and contention. They're trying to add affliction to my chains, he says in verse 16. They were trying to add it. So if it wasn't bad enough that he was chained, there were people trying to wound him, to hurt him, and they were saying all kinds of evil things against him. And he says, what's the difference? Christ is preached. I rejoice that Christ is preached. Over in chapter 4, he said in Philippians, remember, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Because he had learned that in any state, in any trial, in any trouble, to rejoice. Because he could see that God was drawing near That God was doing something. That God was pulling him. That he was communing in the sufferings of Christ. And his prayer wasn't that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings, but I may know the power of Christ in my weakness. That I can understand the power and what God is doing even in my own weaknesses. He knew the Lord would make him better. The Lord was maturing him. The Lord was perfecting him. And although there would be some kind of glorious work, it was the work that the Lord was doing in his life. So that was also the story of Job, huh? We could think about Job. He knows the way I take. And I'm not going to debate with God, basically, is what Job says. He knows the way I take. And then he said, And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. I meant I want to do what he's going, I want him to do what he's going to do for the joy of the final product. And Job even said in 23.10, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. His wife was in the wings saying, Curse God and die. Just die. Just forget it. Trials are to be faced with a joyful attitude. They produce proven faith. They're a testimony. They strengthen us. They draw us into communion and fellowship with God. They identify us in the sufferings of Christ. And what a sweet identification that is. How beautiful. And that they promise of better things to come. It reminds us that we're on our a different road. We're on a different path. I guess in one way we can enjoy the suffering today because it will be so wonderful when we get home. It'll be so marvelous when we get there. Like Romans 8, 17, it says, the glory that shall be revealed, the sufferings of today aren't even worthy to be compared with. Isn't that right? We can't even imagine the great glories that God has. So it's kind of like saying the guy who was beating his head against the wall... Because he knew it felt so good when he stopped. <laughs> it was just good when it was over. Sometimes we're going through a trial and we know that God's molding us. He's doing something. He's perfecting us. When we can start in and see in a trial that we have to have a joyous attitude. We know that the little things in life, those little trials, are causing us to look to the Lord. They're causing us to grow in our faith. God's bringing those trials to pass us through. He doesn't give you the escape. He gives you the grace through the trial. He'll help you get through it. 
You know, your values will determine your evaluation. If you can't rejoice in your trials, then we have to look at our values. Maybe our values are wrong. If you're not seeing that God has a purpose in all that's happening in you, and now I'm thinking, well, God might just test me in my sermon. <laughs> Let's see, preacher, if you could put up with these things. You see, because it's going to happen in our life. I gave you a quote. It's there in the notes. It says, pressed out in every measure, pressed to all length, Pressed so intensely that it seems beyond strength. Pressed in the body and pressed in the soul. Pressed in the mind till the dark surges roll. Pressure by foes and pressure by friends. Pressure on pressure till life nearly ends. Pressed into loving the staff and the rod. Pressed into knowing no helper but God. Pressed into liberty where nothing clings. Pressed into faith for impossible things. Pressed into living a life in the Lord. Pressed into living a Christ life outpoured. We're going to just stop at that point. But I want us to just think about it. God is doing great and marvelous things. I have so much more. And I want it to be very, very practical. I want this message to be something that helps you live for Christ today. I want this to be something that when you are going through trials... When you are going through difficulties, because they are going to come, what is our testimony? How will people see? Do they see the love of God in your life? Because when you're being pressed in on every side, you've already thought about words of blessing, words of grace. I've already thought about, I'm going to give glory to God even in this horrible thing that I'm going through. You see, you've got to begin to plan that now. You've got to begin to think about those things now. While maybe you're going through trials now, or maybe you're not going through trials, but we get our attitude correct. We bring our attitude in line with who Jesus Christ is. And, and to show Him, and to show His love, and to show His mercy. Because you may be the only Bible that people read. Your life may be the only life that people see. Because you know people... And you come in contact with people and you have an influence on people that I never will, but Brother Danny or any of the brethren here that only you. And you can influence somebody that when they see you going through a trial, you're saying, it's okay, God's with me. He's got my hand. It's tough, but He is going to lead and direct and carry you. Can you say that today? If you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you cannot say that. You do not have that hope. And we want you today to know that you can have that kind of hope. You can have that kind of peace that comes from knowing that bond of love that God so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son. Because He loved you enough to give eternal life through Jesus Christ, through His shed blood, who endured the shame of the cross for the joy. Because He knew the end. He knew what that was going to do in us and through us. Maybe you have other needs. Just between you and the Lord. Maybe God's used this message. And I thought it was going one way, but the Holy Spirit has used it in your life to meet some other need. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church. 301 East Alpine Avenue. 
that's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.